Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Shift. I'm joined by Will and Antonio. Good to have Will. Yeah, well, back. it's good to see you. We have a very, we have a very, very special episode today, boys. Not only are we doing our own little March Madness bracket yeah. and debuting a few other segments, but we have a really special interview. A huge for guest too. on the show today that you'll hear later on. Um, but so let's let's get into our first segment of the day. And I texted both of you earlier, and I said, uh, our, so one of our segments is the hot corner. Did you guys see that Trevor Bauer got fined by the MLB for marketing himself? I believe he had his logo on his belt that the MLB could barely see, and he got a letter about it. And it's the letters just it serves an official as an official warning prohibits you from having corporate identification on any or any other logos visible on any part of the under on any part of the undershirt, except for the club's logo. So I guess it was something in his shirt that was like his logo in his shirt and on his belt. And he got two reprimands from the MLB and they said next time he does it, there's going to be action. So either probably a fine. And Trevor Bauer collapsed back at the MLB saying, this is their problem, that they don't let players market themselves and grow their brand. Instant reactions to the story from you guys. I think it would have been different if it was anybody but Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer's gone at the MLB time and time again. I think, because I feel like Bryce Harper used to wear the, uh, the like, the BH logo in the yep. style of the, the 34 a yep. lot when he was with like, especially with the nationals. Um, but Manfred hates Trevor Bauer. Well, that much is obvious. I think the whole clown of this story is Rob Manfred because the MLB needs to be able, needs to let their players market themselves more to build the brand. They want to build the brand of baseball the way you can do that is let players be themselves and market things and do this and that. And they just, they just don't let it happen. And that's, what's going to kill the MLB because Rob Manfred's a clown. Yeah, they consistently miss the mark with marketing with Trevor Bauer, not being able to do that or just blackouts all over the country. They I just don't a, show the games. I couldn't watch a Phillies Pittsburgh Pirates spring training game because there was no radio broadcast, no live stream, no game cast to follow along. It's basically like they weren't playing. But I, I saw that. of MLB. I saw that and I said that needs to be the first hot corner because we are very pro Trevor, Power, Trevor Bauer podcast here. We love what he does for the MLB and he needs to market himself more and they need to let Fernando Tatis do that. They need to let Juan Soto, Mike Trout, they need to let these young guys, these young superstars build their brands so that way MLB is a brand. MLB will never be on the same level as something like the NHL, or not not the NHL, the NFL. If they don't let players be outward and outspoken and bring some fun to the game. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. has, he's fun. Like Those guys, the big name NFL guys are a lot of fun. The MLB just doesn't let that happen. Yeah, and the players seem to be making the push for that, but the league itself 
just doesn't seem to get it. That's what's annoying. They just don't get it. Is the MLB actually the no fun league? It might be. At this point, it's it's gotta be. They don't they don't allow anything at this point. And it's it's so dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's just I saw that and it I knew it needed to be our first hot corner, but um Jeff, you have a second thing for us to talk about before we get into our interview later in the episode um it's march college basketball brackets were released last night and jeff has something very special coming our way on the shooting the shift podcast so jeff let's roll it out we have introducing to you guys our very first march madness bracket of mlb stadiums now if you a few of us here, I think maybe even all of us, have made it a life goal to see every stadium. Absolutely. I think I'm, yep. I'm around nine. You're currently. definitely the furthest ahead. Yeah. Uh, me? Well, Will's been to a decent amount, too. Yeah. I I'd think have you're, to. you're up there around me. I, I'm somewhere around you. I'm probably not at nine, but I'm at I'm, least over five. I'm, yeah, I'm around that. Like I've, uh, But I'm not at nine yet. Shout out Dave Hare too, my uh, my stadium traveling buddy. So I've been to, I've gotten to see a decent amount of them. And so the my strategy here, how we set the bracket was, I went and found the stadiums ranked, and even if I disagreed with the rankings, I kind of tried to stay true to them. For the most part, I tried to put it in regions. For the most part, keep it to. Older American League stadiums, newer American League stadiums, older NL stadiums, newer NL stadiums. Now, obviously, it didn't work out perfectly that way. So there's, you'll see there's a little bit of differences. So let's say we, uh, why don't we just dive right into the bracket? Believe you guys have it in front of you? I, I do. do. All right. We're going to start at the, the top left. And first thing here is number one seed. Fenway Park is, it's is an automatic buy. Is Fenway the number one overall seed for the entire tournament? I would say so, yeah. I, I get the other good. one seeds. Yeah, they're the number one in the entire tournament. There are Gonzaga. Okay. All right. So the next. Now our first matchup. Four, five. Number five, Progressive Field versus Angels Stadium. So we got to see Progressive featured in the the All-Star Weekend a few years back. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty nice stadium. Yeah, it occupied the national spotlight in the World Series um, when they blew a 3-0 lead. See, something that stands out to me, and the reason I'm going to cast my vote for Angel Stadium oh. here. Yep. Is it the rock feature? Yes, in center field. Yes! I love that. Yes. I'm a big fan of that, like rock and like the fountain, I think it is. Yep. Out there. Big fan of that. And the fact that right in front of that is Mike Trout. But I, yeah, we I mean, shouldn't if you count were to, that. Though. If you were to look at, like, there's not really anything that stands out about progressive field. Um, the like, wall kind of stands out. Yeah, the wall in left yeah. field that's super tall. But like the other stadiums have that. Angel Stadium has that. They're well kind of weird, though. 
if you look at Angel Stadium, you have right field, which is so weird to tell. Yeah, the home run and when it's a double. Just smack. But I I am casting my vote for Angel Stadium. I'm also a big fan of the Rock feature and Fountain and Fountain. So that's my uh, that's my vote. Well, All right, so. Will well, doesn't really will, matter. Yeah, they will oh, be Will was going to make it a clean sweep with Angel. Okay, there we go. All right, 3-0. Angel Stadium moves on. Now we have the Oakland Coliseum versus Kaufman in Kansas City. All right, let's just say if you vote to me, if you vote for the Coliseum here, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, so nobody I was, votes for the Coliseum. And, and Tony, I was actually going to vote for the Coliseum oh, because no. I've been to Kaufman Field and I didn't enjoy it. What didn't you like about really? Kaufman? I just like the, didn't enjoy the. Stadium. You don't like I the mean, crown scoreboard in center field? Is that what? Oh, you're I mean, like that's all cool and all, but I think the Coliseum is just so unique for a baseball field. You know they're they're going to get rid of. Yeah, I know. The Coliseum, right? And well, it's, here's it's the good a, news. Like a, you know, one of those. The good news is the Coliseum's screen. going away. <laughs> well, other than that, is also we're overpowering Antonio here, yes, and the Coliseum oh, is God. eliminated first oh, round. Thank God. That I've brings been us to Kaufman, but it's not. It doesn't blow you away. It doesn't blow you away like some other stadiums. That brings us to our next matchup. Oh, this a is seven-two such a, matchup. Such an easy matchup. The trap. The only reason the trap is a seven here is because to make this work, I had to give the eight seed in here was just a buy. It mm. was nobody, but I would have made Tropicana. Tropicana shouldn't have been, should have been a cut for me. The but catwalks are terrible. The catwalks Tropicana are Tropicana versus Camden Yards. Okay. And one, two, three, Camden, Camden Yards. Camden Yards. That's, yeah, we don't need to spend any more time. Another there. stadium. Have you guys been to Camden Yards as well? Absolutely. Yes. I it's, feel like it's, that's an, an, it's an iconic it's an, staple. That's like a low-key icon of baseball. It is. Yeah. Like that, the factory nice wall. There. It's, exactly. I, I enjoy Camden Yards. So we move on to the next section of our bracket with one seed Yankee Stadium versus Truist Ballpark in Atlanta. And even though it's not like it's not where Babe Ruth and all them played. It's still got to be. It's Yankee still Stadium. Yankee. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, think that's a, a 3-0 for this one. And yeah. And you think you go, like, I've been to Yankee Stadium. You go to, like, the the memorials and, like, the, the little wall of fame that they have, the Hall of Fame out in center field. Yankee Stadium, it's just sick. Like, it's a, yeah. it's a sick ballpark. Yeah. And – Obviously iconic for the guys that have played there. Iconic for the short porch in right field. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's just a lot of history in a Yankee stadium that, that you can't not pick that. See, I felt the same way. I had the pleasure a couple of years ago going to old Yankee before they tore it down. And just being there was such iconic, you know, you're in the house that the Bay built. So, I mean, I agree. Absolutely, Yankee Stadium yeah. moves on from it. That was an easy one. So our next 5-4 matchup, Comerica Park in Detroit versus T-Mobile in Seattle, the Mariners Stadium. See, I feel like I've I know, I know T-Mobile. I know where you two are going to go with this. Because <laughs> we hate Seattle. Because you hate Seattle. 
Shout but, out Vinny Main. But I'm going to go with T-Mobile over Comerica. Well, Jeff, you've been to T-Mobile, right? Yeah, I want to hear where you go first, though. <laughs> um, you know, I think about, like, not only do I, have, do I think, though. do I think, no, I'm actually not. I think I'm going to go T-Mobile because not only do I think about, like, the stadiums, like what they look like but i i also think about the the guys that have played in those stadiums and like this one's probably this one's really close and um you know what no i'm gonna go comerica just so jeff's the deciding factor um i think the 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 cars out in a center field are sick like the the cars in the in the hedges yeah that's pretty cool um that's the only yeah. cool thing about. We'll go with Comerica. That's the just only to Jeff, cool thing because I want to. If Jeff, for what Jeff chooses, I want to hear his logic behind it. Oh boy! So I do like the one of the big features that I, I like in with Comerica is the tigers. How they like actually have the the two tigers on the where like the name of the stadium is. However, my experience at T-Mobile. It's actually a pretty nice ballpark. I was out in center field. It was still pretty easy to see. Didn't get like, I don't like to get like the nicest tickets because I like to get like the decent ones sometimes just to like check out all the views. And T-Mobile was very nice. And for that reason, it gets my vote. Thank God. All right. Here's an so interesting it's been a, one. It's been a clean sweep of all the, the, we're going chalk on the favorites so far but I think this could be the first one that doesn't get it. Yeah. I think so too. New Globe Life Stadium as a three seed in Texas versus Minute Maid for the Astros. They have Jeff, a Jeff, you ended, you ended the last one. You can cast your vote first for this one. Who you got? I'm going to go. Yeah, same reason that Will just said the the train's pretty cool. The train, the train. Um, is this Maid, is this course. a is this a clean sweep for six seed Minute Maid Park? Uh, it has to be. To be uh, fair, we haven't gotten to see too much of. And I think Globe that's Life. why this I think true. that's why we all go to Minute Maid. It's got more history. Um, like you said, the only time we got to see Globe Life was last year during the World Series. Um, but I also vote for Minute Maid. The train won, but I also loved when they just had like the hump in center field by the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the hill where everybody fell over trying yep, to. Yep, that was great. Yeah. That was cool, but maybe kind of dumb. A little dangerous, but yeah. Minute Maid gets our pick, gets my pick as well. So the sixth seed, the first underdog moving on. And that right, brings Jeff. us to the last matchup on this side of the bracket. Oh, whoops. Pause. Will, we're going to have to cut this recording here. I asked you guys to look over this for me for no mistakes. Oh, a double Comerica? Did you look at it at all? I did, but I didn't see that. <laughs> I, what I didn't am I missing? I don't know. But... You're with the white, whatever is the white socks. Guaranteed there... rate, I have it. It's on the other side. It's on the other side. Is the, are the I Tigers even Comerica? Thing? Yes. Did I leave out Rogers Center? Yes, yeah. you did. Yeah. 
Damn, so I'm making them a seven here. <laughs> They're gonna take out target. honestly, yeah, do it because <laughs> because we're taking out the target target field. <laughs> All right, Will, you're gonna have to edit that. I will. I wish you didn't say oops halfway through it, but that's fine. I'll get it. No, just I will. I'll splice it. Cut it right at cut it right oh. where I said um right the, after minute the last yeah, yeah after minute so reintroduce so reintroduce like yeah, this is the final do. okay all right and that brings us to our last matchup on this side of the bracket number seven roger center in toronto up against target field in minnesota yeah i think i'm gonna have a bias here um i i, I gotta go with roger center and that's not a biased opinion. It might be. It, it may. But I, I've been may. to Rogers Center. I actually got to see a game with the roof closed and one with it open. Okay. And uh, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the environment both times. It was uh, the year the Red Sox won the championship too, and it was a uh, it was a Red Sox Blue Jays matchup there. The the fan support wasn't exactly even. Maybe a little dominated by Red Sox fans. They traveled yeah, pretty well. They they do travel well. When their team's good. Yeah. And it's a it's an easy vote for Rogers Center here for me. Yeah, I, I'm also gonna vote Rogers Center. Um I think. Like I, I think it's still cool that they have like the the completely astroturf infield with the three little the four patches of fake dirt around the bases. Um, oh, see that I don't really like. That's I think it's cool. I, don't really I like. think it's cool. Um, I think it's just a little uh, dangerous sometimes. Like yeah, I know guys have it can't complained be great about sliding before, in there, but the hotel in center field is that's sick. sick. I would spend a lot of money to stay in a hotel room there. Oh, I intend to someday. Like the Marriott? I think that's what it is, a Marriott out there. But I would do that. That would be pretty sick. Okay, so that brings us to our first matchup on the other side of the bracket with the other number one seed that'll receive a bye, Wrigley Field. Yeah. So I, I think you could see where we went with the two that, that got a yeah. bye. Two that there was no way that they would ever be eliminated no. and Wrigley's one I got to experience a game at one of the Wrigley rooftops which were kind of ruined by them putting up the the bigger jumbotrons and scoreboards yeah. so I think as long as everything's safe this summer Fenway and Wrigley might be two fields that I get to uh, experience but those will probably be my next two stops no matter when um, yeah Wrigley and Fenway are always two that I've wanted to go to now, our next matchup is a pretty interesting one. A number four seed, Great American Ballpark, Cincinnati. Have either of you been there? I have. I have. You have. I have. So, Will, tell us a little about that one before we get to their contender. I, I mean, they're on the river. So, I mean, the, the stadium's kind of cool. I mean, the, sm the smokestacks are cool. Not going to lie, the smokestacks out in center field, probably the coolest part of Great American Ballpark. But that's probably about it. 
about Green Bay. I, I like how their uh, right field is just all one stand. There's it, no tier to it. That's kind of cool, but other I, than I mean, that. I mean, when, when a home run goes into the river, you get pretty excited. Not a lot of stand. Yeah. Not a lot of stadiums besides them. And There's three stadiums that you can really hit baseball can into the into water the at. Right. Um, so. But, Jeff, please reveal their competitor. The competitor is our very own Citizens Bank Park. Oh, Which, Jordan. in exciting news, the Shoot and the Shift boys will be at the game on April 3rd against the Atlanta Braves. First time back in the stadium in over a year. And almost two. So we're really excited for that. And obviously, Citizens Bank Park is our winner here. Um, I I will say, I will say the way, and I haven't seen it from sitting out behind home plate, but I've been over to South Philly. Was at the Flyers game last week. The casino's nice. Oh, that's right. There is a casino by the ballpark. I am looking forward to seeing that. It's got to be a better view than the Holiday Inn. I'm not yeah. going to disagree with that, but shouldn't you have just left it in. the way it was? There was nothing there, and you could see perfectly through to the. Well, field. I like. The, I'd I rather would, go I, to a casino after a game, though. Yeah, I honest. agree with you, but I don't think the casino takes up the same like vertical real estate right. that the We're hotel not did. Be able to see until we get to the stadium. But like when you sit in what it's 420 and 421 are directly behind home plate at the top. Yeah, I sat there multiple times. There, you have a great view of like the whole ballpark, yeah. Center yeah. City, um, obviously the Wall of Fame, Ashburn Alley. Uh, it's just the whole experience of being in CBP uh, that I can't wait to get back to, and they're advancing on to the next round. That brings us to our next matchup, a pretty cool matchup in my eyes. Chase Field in Arizona versus Coors in Colorado. I think this one's a pretty cool one because I think it's you have cool. the, the thin air in Colorado that makes the ball travel really far. But you got a pool. Oh, yeah. In that's what, oh. And like the rock and the forest and center field and Coors Field is sick. But the pool in Arizona. Like, I don't know. I've so I've been to a Coors Field as well that's one of the other stadiums that i've been at um so and it's pretty neat um so i think cores is going to get my vote just because i've been there i like it the thin air the rock feature but chase don't forget chase does have the pool see chase has my vote here so that leaves it to will all right not gonna lose on i thought i was gonna be all alone here but I'm going to go with Antonio. We're going to Coors Field. Yeah. And I'm so I'm not mad I, at that. I don't, I know, Jeff, you've never been to Coors Field. And I'm assuming, Will, you haven't either. But the way it is in Denver, it's just like there in the middle of the city. Right. Just like it occupies two city blocks. And it's just, you like have buildings on one side of the street and then the ballpark on the other side of the street. It's sick. Like you could just like stumble out of the ballpark after having $13 beers and into bars to have not $13 beers. And like you said, the, the thin air and I, I uh, Coors Field is definitely one that I want to get back to. I, I definitely want to get there one day. 
That brings us, though, to our last matchup in this section. Number two, Dodger Stadium versus number seven, Guaranteed Rate. In that's um, that's West Side the other Chicago. Chicago Stadium. So the little brother, I think Chicago it's Stadium. Think it's easy? Yeah, for sure, Chicago. <laughs> Dead. I think this is uh, an easy 3-0 run for Dodger uh, yeah, Stadium. Dodgers, Unfortunately, yeah. I haven't been there. I, I have. Neither have I. I have. You have? Let me tell you. The, the stadium's kind of weird, not going to lie. The city's behind you, but you're so still... It's the, the opposite of Citizens Bank Park. Right. But let me tell you, okay. if you're still up in the 300, 400 level, you can still just turn to your right, and there's Los Angeles right in the background. So, I mean, like, the stadium's basically built into like kind of into the mountain kind of sort of um but los angeles is a really cool ballpark so obviously i've never been there but we see it literally every year on nationally televised games in the playoffs i like that like the right behind home plate is like directly field level um it's the little things like that and obviously uh Matt Stairs ripped one into the night there, so it's going to get my vote because 2008 was a great time to be a Phillies fan, and we did it at Dodger Stadium. So is that a 3-0? Absolutely. Yeah, I do think this should have been a one seed, though. Yes, I will agree with you. I understand why you broke it up the way you did, but I do think this should have been the fourth one seed over what you have in that spot. I have it as probably the strongest two seed right now. Yeah, I would too. Right. I mean, hell, I one of the two seats didn't wraps, even advance. That wraps up our this section of the bracket and brings us to our last one. Yep. Okay, so we move into the last part of our bracket with more of a surprise one seed maybe to, to surprise. some. To some, I think. I think, I think it's, it's a surprise. You don't say it's a surprise, but I think it was. I think the two yeah. seed in this bracket and Dodger Stadium could both have been one seeds over this. Yeah, but this one is this one seed is PNC in Pittsburgh versus eight seed Nationals Park in Washington. See, I understand why you're saying that Dodger Stadium could have been a one seed here, which I agree it could have. Um but just the way that it worked out, it made more sense to have Dodger in the other section. But I think this is an easy 3-0. It should be, right? Yeah, I mean. Well. With PNC knocking out Nationals Park. I've been to both, and yes, it is. I've not gotten to PNC, but it is oh my maybe God, number one on oh, my list. No. You Wait, I haven't been to PNC. I've been to Nationals Park. I've been to every – but I haven't been to PNC. Oh, um, boys. Oh, good Lord. You all like, need to go to PNC Park. No. Yeah. No, it's, don't nod like your head. Don't nod your head. That it's like, well, eh. okay. Drive no, me to Pittsburgh and I'll go. All right. It's number one on my list to go see. So I think we're all going PNC here. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to sit right, in right so, field when we go, like above the, the scoreboard. I want to float in the, uh, the river. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we can do that in San Francisco. All right, let's let's move on. 
Sorry, I'm out of pocket now. <laughs> that was. That river's dirty. I'll feel at home in, like we're in Philly. Yeah, the so water's our, even browner there. Our next matchup actually has some nice water here. We're talking Florida. We're talking Marlins ballpark in Miami versus City Field. City Field is a four seed. Now, this is the one matchup I'm not really a fan of. Neither am I. Um, I didn't enjoy City Field that much just because. Neither did I. There's a freaking airport. Yep. You have airplanes flying over. That kind of takes away from the whole experience of being at a baseball game. Yeah, I I wasn't a fan of City Field. Um, just isn't, isn't my – and it's the Mets, so – Fair, fair. I think I think what really seals the deal for Marlins Park has to be the fish tank behind home plate. That there's no way that's there anymore. I thought they filled it in, but they did have. And I like the. I'm a big like aesthetics guy, and the statue out in center field, it is disgustingly ugly, but I love it. <laughs> See, I I just don't know where to go with this because, I think. As a ballpark, City Field might be better than Marlins. But you build it next to an airport. Yeah. Why'd you build it by an airport? And I just, to me, I can never get over that. It's a nice enough stadium. I I guess like the Apple, I guess, is cool for those people. It's not that cool. Trying not to be a hater. It's it's really not. I'm trying not to be a hater, but... I don't know. The the airport just has me. It yeah, has I'm me too to, shook. I'm not trying to f- fight airplanes coming in while I'm at a baseball game. So I also am going Marlins here. Will, is it is it 3-0? Yeah, it's 3-0. Marlins Park. All this way. next matchup on the bracket's wild. This is a yeah. tough This is a tough This one. is one of the tougher ones. This Who might be the toughest. One off for a six seed Bush versus Bush in, uh, in St. Louis versus number three seed Petco in San Diego. See, this has my heart torn because, you know, a little bit of a closet Padres fan, but literally, literally. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. But literally grew up literally like an hour from St. Louis. Was it literally an hour? Well, literally. It was literally an hour. I, and I, that's why I, I i mean i didn't grow up in st louis but right. i'm also really torn like the building in pico park petco what is that's neat like the, the western materials building yeah. yeah the warehouse western materials that's neat but, like, but you I have really the i really like the same uh the st louis ballpark well isn't and, petco also the the site of the most historic home run of all time bartolo Oh God! Oh, oh God damn! You're right. He no, did you can't. You cannot justify. Peckle yes, Park big man Park. home runs. Big man home runs, no. especially when it's a pitching big. No, man. but no, I, I really like the ballpark in St. Louis. Bushfield's nice, and the arch is there. And uh this is this is probably the hardest matchup of this the bracket. Is, this is the hardest matchup. Of the all right, let's go. Let's give our our votes now. All right. 
Actually, I want Will last. Yeah, you, yes, yes. I'll cast mine for St. Louis. Yeah, it's game over because I'm also casting mine for St. Louis. Surprise, surprise. Will's going with St. Louis. I, I just li- I like that ballpark so much. And I've, now, never, I've only seen it in TV, on TV, but yeah. like, I, I think that's a ballpark I would really enjoy. Well, uh, I've been to Bush. I got to see him play the Phillies. Really cool. Um, the atmosphere there is just incredible. Like, like we've said, literally, I think we were sitting out in uh, left center and you could still see the arch in the background. I mean, it was just that cool of a stadium. I think Bush is probably yeah, that's, up there in the top, my vote. top 10 stadiums that I've been to. So, well, have you been, oh, this to brings 10, us... have you been to 10 stadiums yet? Will? probably yes. If I did the math, if I, okay, then, then you can have a top 10. If you haven't exactly. been to 10 stadiums, you can't have a top 10. Well, let's see. Um, okay. We could do this later. We yeah. got another, another yeah. rack, another yeah. matchup that you use here. Yeah, that'll bring us to our last matchup of today. And honestly, to me, I think this might be a contender for our toughest matchup. I I think think this is two really good. No, I think it's easy to me. I think it's – no, it's an easy choice to me. Yeah. But I think it's two, like, powerhouse stadiums. I think it's the the most difficult out. Okay. Most difficult first-round out to me. I, I would disagree. I would disagree. Oh. I think Pete Petco was the fir- hardest first round out. That's fair. Well, here oh. we got a seven seed Miller Park in Milwaukee with versus, yeah, with the slide. And we have Oracle Park in San Francisco. I think I know what your vote is because it's your favorite ballpark. Yeah, I have to go Oracle. I just think it's absolutely beautiful there. I saw it a few years back. It was still AT&T. And just so many things about it. Just the the bay out in right field, splash hits, just to the, the iconic like glove and Coca-Cola like Coca- bottle. Triple Zally. Yeah. To I, me, it's it's one of the nicest stadiums and one that I would go back to as many times as possible. But that's why it hurt me having to put Miller Park down as the seven seed here. Because it, it does look like a pretty cool stadium and one I definitely want to get to. Yeah, obviously, like I, I obviously want to get to all of them, but easily it's Oracle Park. Like, okay, Miller Miller has the slide. Big whoop. It's not like oh, the other indoor state, one of the other indoor stadiums, Chase, that has a pool. I I also am a big fan of Oracle Park. Um, you you can sit in a kayak, listen to the game, and wait for a, a splash hit. Um, it's that's that's got to be the, the stadium that it, it's going because it has two votes. Um, I think it this matchup isn't nearly as close as the three six of Petco and Bush. Yeah, I don't think it's it's close. I'm more just like. I feel bad having Miller sacrificed to Oracle. Probably could have put like switched Miller with either City Field or Marlins Park. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that. they're advancing. But I would agree. I think Miller definitely could have advanced over either of those. But it's well, I be think Oracle. you would have 
you would have made this a 3-0? Yeah. Yeah. I think a dream of mine is to go out and kayak in McCovey Cove. and. Oh, that would be so sick. That would be so Next sick. summer, boys? Oh, We're making plans already? I'm in. I'm in. That would be so sick. Get your kayaks. Now, get Uncle Steve to get the boat out there. We'll hey, the I'm sure country. he would be in. Well, that'll wrap up our first round of the bracket. And that's where I think we're going to leave the bracket for this week. Yep. We're going to go into next week with matchups of one seed Fenway Park versus four seed Angel Stadium. Three seed Kaufman against Oriole Park at Camden Yards, our two seed. Then we have one seed Yankee versus number four T-Mobile. We have number six, one of two number sixes I think we had advanced, Minute Maid against number seven, a little six versus seven action for next week, Rogers Center in Toronto. We'll have Wrigley versus our home park, CBP. Not looking forward to that one. We'll have number three cores head-to-head against the two-seed the very strong two-seed Dodger Stadium. Number one, PNC, versus, by default, number five, Miami, the Marlins Park. Number six, Bush, versus Oracle Park. Yeah, so that's what we'll, we'll be looking for. And we'll be looking week, for yeah. you guys uh, to kind of put your input in on social media and give us a little bit of who you'd be voting for, who you would have voted for in the first round, who you think yeah. deserves to advance past the second round. And we'll definitely be taking that into consideration while voting. Especially next experiences, any experiences yeah. you personally have had in some of these stadiums, we might not have gotten to and just whatever you think. So we could kind of formulate this as we try and finish this bracket in our episode pick, next week and pick the top and, MLB stadium. Yeah. And that's going to bring us to something very special that Antonio is going to introduce. Yeah. So now joining us on the podcast, obviously we just ran through the bracket, but we have coming up uh, Alex Carr on the podcast is a very special guest. It's only our second guest. So uh, we will get directly into that interview right now. So everyone, we have a very special guest joining us on the podcast today. We have Alex Carr, who's built an excellent Twitter following, and on live stream, Alex has pronounced it. He is a iced coffee year-round kind of guy. <laughs> so, Alex, welcome to the Shooting the Shift podcast. We're glad to have you on today. How's it going, you guys? Thank you for having me. And yes, iced coffee year-round uh, is is the greatest take of all time. And uh, if you don't think so, well, you're wrong. You're simply incorrect. <laughs> well. Our first disagreement of the interview. We're starting <laughs> off great. Oh, like many, said, probably. Um, <laughs> Alex, is, you write for uh, The Good Fight and have built quite a, an impressive Twitter following. I know I am one of – I frequently read your tweets to keep myself updated on spring training games that I can't watch. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I love – spring training is like one of my favorite times of year. So it, it brings me great pleasure to be able to provide – uh, some content for those who, who are unable to watch, you know, because a lot of people have work during the day or, or anything like that. So, so I, I, I like to be able to 
provide that niche, fill that, fill that hole for you. And it's a great time to get a, a look at some of the prospects that maybe we know we won't see in the big club for a few years, but you know, you always have that, that like month each year where we get to see guys like Rojas or like Luis Garcia. That to me is what makes spring training fun. And what I, I love seeing just different accounts that are keeping us updated when oh, we absolutely. get busy like yours. And I mean, you, you know, these guys are always playing somewhere. So if you look deep enough, you know, you can find the box scores, you can find that, but it's hard to find real footage. You're right. Like finding actual live game footage is very difficult because, you know, MLB hardly broadcasts their own games, uh, let alone, you know, the, the games of their minor league affiliates. So uh, it's, it's definitely difficult, uh, but I, you're right. I look forward to this every year, being able to see guys of, that are personal favorites of mine, like, like you said, Johan Rojas, who, you know, there is such little footage out there of him, but, you know, who I have been able, lucky enough to see, you know, scouting reports of and, and some limited footage for, for years and years, and now I'm finally getting to see him in person, and it's thrilling for me. Uh, same with, you know, I've obviously seen guys like Nick Maton before, Mickey Moniak before, but, but seeing them uh, face major league pitching, uh, even if it is just kind of a warm up setting, uh, is really, really cool for me because I'm a guy that, that loves watching good and bad players, uh, but especially loves watching those fringe guys uh, that have stories that, you know, especially when I've been able to speak with them or, uh, you know, have a personal connection with them. That's always fun for me, too. So, you know, a lot of people ask, well, how can you be so uh, how can you be so positive about these guys? And it's like, well, you know, I've gotten to speak to a lot of them or, you know, I know them from X place or I've, I've been able to watch them since they were 18 years old, you know? Um, so that makes it a lot more uh, of a, of a deep and fun experience for me, I guess. Yeah. That's one of the things I wanted to, to touch on was uh, I remember seeing last year, you know, we were all around this time last year, started to really miss baseball when, when they just stopped spring training. Mm-hmm. Then eventually we wound up getting a spring training 2.0 in Citizens Bank Park. Oh, sorry about that. That's my dog. <laughs> He's going crazy. My bad, my bad. Good. Go right ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, we saw you got to, to cover a little bit of that at CBP. Could you talk a little about that and just getting to be at what seems like a virtually empty stadium? Um, oh man, <laughs> come here. Uh, yeah, that was crazy for me. So that was a brand new experience of mine. Um, I honestly, when I first started writing for, for the good fight and, and started writing in general, I never expected to be able to cover the team at like, you know, at, at such a high level. Um, and I don't think, honestly, I don't think SB nation expected it either. We were kind of, uh, caught off guard by, you know, uh, teams being more open to allowing blogs in the park. Um, so, you know, I, along with some other bloggers, was, was very lucky to, to be let in and, and, and given access to, to the ballpark. And, you know, it's not something, again, like it's not something I really was expecting going into starting a writing career. Um, and it was just very, it was very surreal. Um, and I know I, they always say, people always say, you know, uh, when you get to that point where, you know, you finally reach a goal, um, sometimes it can be a little underwhelming. Um, and for me, honestly, it was everything I wanted it to be and more. Um, and I, I, I truly, truly, 
cherish that experience and I will forever. Um, just being able to, you know, sit in the press box and write about the team that I love and have loved uh, growing up. And, uh, you know, it was just surreal. Um, and I'm very sad that now because of the pandemic, I've, I've relocated. So uh, it's, it's not exactly uh, easy for me to get to the ballpark anymore. So I'm unfortunately not going to be doing that this year. But what I did get to do was just so much fun. Um, and, you know, being in a in an empty ballpark with with crowd noise being funneled in is so ominous. But I couldn't help but be happy uh, sitting in my chair uh, watching these games go down. It really was. It was such a treat for me. Uh, and I was super lucky. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really uh, – I don't have enough words to, to explain just how much it meant because it, it really was like, that is something that everybody dreams to do, especially during such a weird circumstance. Um, yep. So I will never, ever forget that. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful to, to all the people that got me there and to everybody that, you know, everybody that follows me. I mean, that is the reason that I was able to be sitting there uh, during those games. So it, it was just a dream come true. It seriously was. Yeah, I think it's pretty hard to be underwhelmed when hitting your goal means you're one of the very few people in the city of Philadelphia who gets to watch a baseball game live in person. Right. Yeah, uh, just like I mean, there's from, no, there's no dollar yeah. dogs. There's no, there's no, uh, you know, bark at the park. But hey, being in that stadium is is, is something else. It, it really, it was a very unique year for it, but it was such a treat. It really was. So we talked a little. The, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, one of the, the guys that you had uh, you had mentioned, one of the prospects that you in, have enjoyed watching over the years, in, in particular this year, was Mickey Moniak. And we've covered him in some of our previous podcasts and in our – I run a blog as well. Then we put out a, a lot of Mickey Moniak content this spring. It's one of the biggest stories of this spring. Can you talk a little bit about – what you've seen differently from him and kind of his timeline at this point for having an impact in the major leagues? Sure. Sure. Uh, so a lot of people, uh, especially this year have, have been very quick to, uh, to, I guess, re uh, like do take backsies on what they've said about Mickey Modiak in the past. A lot of everyone's people really, walking back really quick to do it. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who tends to skew to a more positive side of things, right? So I'm someone who's been, who's been spouting positive content about Mickey Moniak for a long time. Um, so to see now all these people, you know, kind of drifting over towards the other side of things, is really funny uh, because, you know, Mickey is a kid who, when he was drafted, uh, first of all, he was young for his draft age. Uh, he, he, was, he was a 17-year-old kid um, who, you know, there was, he was drafted first overall in a draft where there was no consensus, number one pick. Um, everybody the, the jury was out until draft day. Nobody knew who was going to go with what a lot of people were, they, they ended up being, I suppose, slightly underwhelmed, uh, with Philadelphia's selection of Mickey. Um, even though it was part of a bigger draft plan, that was just a huge risk in general that just did not work out, but that's a story for another day. Um, so the Phillies select Mickey. Mickey was a consensus first round talent, not necessarily a first overall pick. Um, but, you know, he's, he's 17 years old. He comes into rookie ball. He has a really good season. So, you know, they're like, oh, great. This kid's going to be fine. Uh, and then he struggles next year because the Phillies aggressively promote him to high A Clearwater. 
which just was not, the Phillies have, have had a history of doing that. They no longer do it, thank God, but they've had a history of aggressively promoting these big name prospects that they really like and they think they can handle it and they want to just get them up the pipeline as soon as possible. And it's just, a, that's a silly thing that you should never do, but they did it anyway. Um, and they robbed Mickey of, you know, being able to play in single A, uh, single A baseball. Uh, and I don't know if he, did he play in low A? I can't remember, but you know, they, they robbed him of that, uh, of that experience. So, you know, of course he's going to struggle. And from that point on in his career, he was playing against guys, you know, three, four years older than him uh, from that point onward. So now Mickey Moniak, who everybody is always shocked when they, when somebody says, Oh, he's only 22 years old. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, he's so young. Like what, what's happening? Well, of course he's young. He's, you know, he may have been drafted five years ago, but, you know, he was 17 when he was selected. So everybody is just getting so shocked that he's so young and he actually is talented and he's not just a, a bump on a log. And of course he's not. This kid has been working his butt off ever since being drafted to live up to these expectations of a, of a first overall pick. So anywho, you fast forward to 2021 and he's raking in spring training obviously this is going to get some people excited because he's a first round talent. He obviously, you know, has these tools, uh, a potential five tool player. That's what everybody loves about him. Uh, you know, he, he can make some good contact. Uh, he has very, very solid power potential as you guys are seeing now uh, just because of his, his figure and how uh, nice he's grown into his, you know, six foot two frame. Um, and as well as that, he's a speedster. He's got, you know, a 55 to 60 run tool. Uh, can handle center field easily, very, very solid defender. And he's a good kid. He's a really nice, marketable person, um, which is very exciting for the Phillies on a whole number of levels. So what you're seeing from him in spring training now is exactly what, you know, everyone was expected to see from him. Uh, he just didn't necessarily have that, um, the shiny pathway to to what now has ended up being his uh, I, I guess the way he's developed uh, with, through this system. So it's very exciting. I love seeing what I love seeing from him this year is the way that he's been hitting with two strikes. Um, Mickey, his only real flaw um, for me that I am, am concerned about um, is his plate discipline. Uh, I've always been a little concerned with his plate discipline. He strikes out uh, quite a bit and doesn't walk too often. Um, so what has really impressed me is his two strike hitting uh, during this very brief spring sample uh, has been really solid. He's hit two home runs on two strikes. Uh, he had that double yesterday against Kyle Crick on two strikes. Um, so, you know, he's, he's improving and that is a really, really great sign. And the hands are still super quick. Uh, you know, he's got a great, great stroke. Um, so I'm just very, very happy for him. Uh, I think it's about time uh, that he has, you know, stopped being treated like some negative asset when he is still a 22 year old center fielder that still has so much time to grow. Um, and, you know, it, had he been selected out of college in 2016, I'm sure things would have been a lot, a lot different, uh, but they weren't. And he needed time to grow as do all high school talents. And now he's doing something great. And, you know, again, like I said, small sample, and we're going to have to see what he does in a full year of AAA, but I'm very excited for Mickey. And I'm so glad that he's finally getting even a little bit, of his due. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for him. Yeah. I think to me, the, the biggest thing that has stood out. And I think the most important thing that you, you said was 
the fact that he is only 22. People do team, seem to forget that way too much. And it looked like when he came up last year that he was fighting against himself almost to prove that he not only deserved to be in the major leagues, but deserved to be that number one pick. But now when you see him in spring training, it just seems like he's, he's playing. Like he's just playing the game, which is what got him where he is, what got him to be a first round pick, first overall pick. And now just the confidence seems to be there and it's allowing him to really settle in. Totally. And I mean, that's half the battle, right? I mean, if you're a kid who is trying to live up to this immense, immense pressure, you see it happen to everybody. You saw it happen to Markel Fultz uh, here in Philadelphia. You saw it happen to a, you know, you see, you see it happen to a lot of athletes that have this mounting pressure. Um, you know, it, it's hard to have all these eyes on you and to, to be expected to perform. Not everybody is, is someone who does and handles attention well. Um, so it's, it's been difficult for Mickey. It definitely hasn't. He's opened up about those struggles, but I mean, he's always been that, you know, head down kind of guy, head down, just grit and bear it, keep that nose to the grindstone and really just keep going. Um, and it's paid off. It really has paid off for him. And, and whether or not he continues to uh, produce at such a rapid rate, uh, I don't think he'll produce at this rate for, I mean, obviously a, a, a 400 batting average plus, uh, and and a, a one hundred uh, a 1.000 OPS uh, is is quite the feat, but um, you know I I don't think that's the level he'll produce at. But I think he is a solid. What I have been saying for a long long time, he will be a solid major league contributor. I always liken him to the to uh, to Brett Gardner. I, I like to think that he is he is I right. So I'd you know, be okay with that. Having having a Brett Gardner as as a you know as a franchise not cornerstone, but a, a piece that can stick with you for a long, long time. Just a workhorse of a player, a guy that can, you know, put up, I'm not going to say he's going to put up 40 war like Brett Gardner has, uh, which has mostly been a tribute to the ballpark that he plays in, but I digress. Wow. Um, you know, he's a guy that can hit for a little bit of power. He can run the bases really well. He's a leader in the clubhouse or will eventually develop into one. I mean, he is that guy. That's exactly who Mickey is. Um, and so, you know, anything slightly resembling that would be fantastic. That would be a coup to get from Mickey Moniak. And I think that's probably what we'll see a solid major league contributing center fielder uh, who probably later in his career shifts to a corner outfield spot. And that's, you know, he retires a lovely 10 year major league veteran. And, you know, he's, he's had a great career. Uh, but obviously we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I that, would be so okay oh, yeah. with that. Right. Exactly. So, so that's where I always liken him. Uh, and so I think a lot more people are starting to see now that there isn't just some hopeless, you know, first overall bust on their hands here. Uh, they've got a solid major league player. Um, and that's what I think Mickey will continue to be throughout his career. So I'm very excited for him. I think that uh, he's finally getting his due like I said before. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's so deserved. It really is. He has stuck out this five year media slog and now is finally getting some positive attention. So good for him. So one of the things you talked about when you you're talking about Mickey Mantle or Mickey Mantle, Mickey Moniak was his uh, hey, Freudian plate, slip. 
(laughs) Yeah. Was his plate discipline and his uh, two strike hitting. And I think personally from watching the spring training games, that might be indicative of almost a new hitting approach with the Phillies. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like a lot of the guys are hitting better with, when they're down, when they're behind in the count, they're waiting more for their pitches. Do you think that's a product of Joe Dillon or just guys are being more patient? That is the product of a man named Jason Ochart, uh, a, a wonderful human who I am very lucky enough to call an acquaintance. Um, he is the Phillies minor league hitting coordinator, and he is an absolute genius. Uh, the Phillies are, are beyond lucky to have this man on their side uh, when they hired him three years ago. Uh, he completely turned everything around. Uh, he is the reason that Alec Bohm is who he is now. He is the reason that Nick Maton is such a budding young prospect. Uh, he is the reason that all of these guys are finally finding their way. Um, and it's very exciting. It's very exciting to see all these Phillies prospects coming into camp and actually hitting, uh, going overseas and actually hitting, you know, doing all of these really exciting things. Um, and yes, I, of course, anybody who knows me knows I love Joe Dillon. Um, Joe Dillon is also a major, major part uh, of the major league turnaround. Um, but both of these guys working in tandem have just completely flipped the offensive approaches here. You saw today, Didi Gregorius hit a 384-foot flyout to left center field. If you know Didi Gregorius, it you know happen. the man does not go to the opposite field. And yet, and yet, so... This is something big that I, when I was at the ballpark last year, I was able to actually watch in person. Joe Dillon during batting practices makes a concerted effort to have guys use every part of the ball field. Uh, And it's, it's a very, very serious thing um, that he has honed in on. And so, you know, I was, we saw it last year, Reese Hoskins, his spray chart looked completely different. He was going oppo. He was going dead center. He was pulling the ball, but he wasn't trying to pull everything. Didi Gregorius, a guy that pulls everything, went opposite field for, you know, singles and nothing much more than that, but went to the opposite field more than he ever has in his entire career last year, um, or at a more rapid rate, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just we saw all of these guys making these crazy good adjustments. And then, of course, the absolute, uh, I guess, the second coming uh, in Alec Bohm, uh, who just absolutely – shredded the major leagues um in his first what 25 30 games uh you know his first his first cup of coffee with us absolutely shredded it and that again is just a product of these two men who have done absolute wonders and you know what jason mostly focuses on is bat speed and hands uh and god if he hasn't succeeded in that uh with most of these guys that you're seeing i mean mickey moniak's bat is blazing fast nick mayton's bat blazing fast Kendall Simmons who isn't in camp this year but who I got to watch in Australia blazing fast bat I mean these guys are killing it and Joe Dillon again with with hit placement using all the fields I mean they have done such a wonderful job so yes in an answer to your question Mickey Moniak certainly has a bit of a different approach um it's probably still just as swing happy uh or it has been from what I've seen Um, So that does concern me slightly. Uh, But overall, I mean, just his ability to 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 get in on a pitch or to, you know, to extend out and and keep in contact with all these pitches, whether it's fouling something off or or really barreling it. uh, He's he's been better at it. He has been a lot better. 
Uh, and that's a big part as to why you are seeing so much more success out of him, I believe. Yeah, and I mean, I love – because I, I think we, we're seeing a lot of guys, and that's one of my favorite things about watching baseball is when guys use the entire field. Um, so seeing someone like Alec Boom not try to hammer every ball but just put it where guys aren't, it, it warms my heart. Yeah, I mean, that's it just makes baseball more exciting, right? I mean, Alec is that kind of guy that is just going to make baseball more exciting for Philadelphia. Um, he's an RBI first guy. He's a he's a put the ball in play and good things will happen guy. Uh, and he's one of those get me to the plate guys too. I mean, you put Alec Bohm up with runners on base. Last year, he, he scored a good majority of them. I think he hit 360-something with, with runners in scoring position. So, I mean – you're you're looking at a guy that is one of those dependable, you know, bottom of the ninth, two outs. You've got a man on second. You need to tie the game. Alec Bohm's the guy you want in the box. It's not Bryce Harper. It's not yeah. Reese Hoskins. It's not JT Real Muto. It's Alec Bohm. It's the guy that puts the ball in play and gives you the hit when it matters. Uh, and we saw a lot of that last year. That was just a teaser. He is Alec is a oh he's a god. I'm so excited. So excited to watch some more of him. I love yeah, I, watching that guy I, play baseball. I think there were a couple conversations between us at the end of last season. Like, oh, I there's not many guys that were choosing the entire MLB to have to bring in a run late game than Alec Boom. Yep. It's just the yep. way he did it was, it was great. He's pretty awesome. Yeah, I've almost wondered what seeing him as what they've tried to do with Reese Hoskins with his walk rate in the, the two-hole. I've almost wondered what Alec Alec Bohm would look like in a, a two hole because I'm I'm hesitant to keep that bat too far down in the lineup. I don't really want him too much further than four or five, but I, he hasn't shown the the knack for tapping into his power often enough to be a cleanup. Personally, I would like to see him get a little more work in that Reese Hoskins two spot and Hoskins go back to showing more of the power to be our cleanup hitter. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's cool about this lineup, right? There's, there's so many different variations that you can spin. Uh, honestly, I've seen a lot of people saying that maybe uh, bump Bryce up to the two hole, put Alec at three. Um, you know, a, a lot of those questions are going to get answered this year, right? Seeing, you know, who's going to hit lead off, who's going to, um, because, you know, Andrew McCutcheon, while he has been had an amazing spring, first of all, and had an amazing 2020, uh, you know, has has lost a step in the outfield and has also, mm -hmm. you know, has has lost a bit of his uh, his on base skills. I mean, he he definitely didn't take as many pitches last year uh, as as we saw him take in 2019. Um, so you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see where this lineup is at the end of the year, especially because JT Realmuto definitely is not the greatest uh, at driving in runs. Uh, in terms of those clutch spots, he he does tend to cut and miss quite a bit. Um, and, you know, a lot of his production comes from extra base hits or home runs. Um, and, you know, when he's not doing that, it's it's usually a strikeout. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where this lineup ends up. I will say uh, that I think it's excellent that the Phillies have Didi Gregorius back. Uh, that is certainly going to help them, uh, even though he does tend to stray on the uh, lesser side of the hard hit and uh, exit velocity charts. He knows again how to drive in runs, uh, and is certainly uh, he's a he's a piece of work with with the bases loaded. So uh, I'm very very excited to see uh, where the lineup ends up. I think ultimately what you'll probably see is Real Muto hitting six, 
and Gregorius hitting five most times against right-handed pitching. Um, and on top of that, I think you'll probably see if Bryce is still, you know, maintaining that 400 on base percentage, uh, but isn't exactly showing, you know, the high contact rates or uh, anything like that, you might see him bump to the two hole. Uh, and then you might see, because the two hole honestly is, is the guy that's going to get the most aside from leadoff. It's the guy that's going to get the most at bats. Uh, so the, you might see him bump to the two and Alec Bohm to the three. You really never know. Um, but it's certainly going to be interesting. I'm very excited to see uh, where this lineup ends up uh, come, I guess, September, uh, which is crazy to think about. It's absolutely, I think, going to be one of the more versatile and deeper lineups in baseball. But Especially it's gonna... with Brad Miller. We cannot forget, especially with Mr. Brad old, Miller being in old that. Old bamboo bread. Oh, I... Yeah, I've been looking into getting a nice old bamboo my... plant. My love for Brad Miller cannot be uh, overstated. The guy is a leader. He is versatile as all heck. He has one heck of a bat. I was going to say the other word, uh, but I, this is a family show. Um, he's got a heck of a bat. I mean, that guy is is the whole package. And for the Phillies to be able to bring him on for a measly three and a half million is a coup. Now, what would your reaction be? If a few years ago I told you, in 2021, we're going to be talking ourselves in to Matt Moore as <laughs> our four. Oh, oh man, I would have, uh, I would have probably not watched the remaining what five years of, of Philadelphia baseball. I would have <laughs> stopped becoming a Philly fan right then and there. Uh, yeah, no, Matt Moore back in those days, not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight at all. I remember he was one of the guys that I would always be like, oh, yeah, he'd be so cool to to have back when he was like, raise Matt Moore. Right. But now we're talking a, a decade later off of reestablishing himself in Japan, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And we're talking ourselves back into Matt Moore. I'm in on him. I've liked what I've seen so far. More in I for mean, sure than Chase Sanderson. I'm I'm trying to be. I'm not very good at this, but I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you. No, I mean it's it's a crazy thing, right? We see these guys go overseas uh, and they come back completely different pitchers. We saw it with Josh Lindblom. We've seen it with you know countless others, Miles Michaelis. We've seen it with Merrill Kelly. All these guys that go overseas. They reform themselves and then they get, you know, substantial major league deals. Um, and Matt Moore is arguably one of the better ones that we've seen over the last few years. Um, Miles Michaelis came back over when he was, what, I think 30? Um, Matt Moore is around the same age. Uh, Josh Lindblom came back over. He's 33 now. Uh, you know, he got a two-year, $12 million deal from the Brewers, a, a pitching factory like the Brewers. So, you know, we, we see – seriously, I'm 100% I'm, I'm serious with you. So it's, it's very interesting to see these guys come over uh, and, and see how they perform. But, man, I got to tell you, um, and, again, take it with a grain of salt. It's spring training. We've all been fooled before by some pitchers in spring training that we say they're going to be amazing, and then, you know, they're not. Um, but, again, he Vince passes Velasquez. the eye test right now, precisely. Uh, he passes the eye test right now, right? I mean, he looks 
fantastic. He's inducing these soft pop-ups, these soft grounders. Uh, the the curveball looks insanely good. The fastball is touching 95, which is what the reports in Japan said. And for those to be accurate, is is huge. He's got these these really nice working secondaries that induce really soft contact. And honestly, I am very sold, very very sold. Uh, and I'm I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm a professional major league scout, but I like to think that I know what I'm talking about sometimes. And uh, for, for me to be as sold as I am on Matt Moore, I feel, uh, I feel pretty confident about it. And to touch on Chase Anderson too, I mean, Chase arguably was my more positive of the two uh, coming into this spring, at least. Uh, I was, you know, when the Phillies initially signed Matt Moore, I thought it was going to be a minor league deal. And I was very upset to find out that it wasn't so much so that I, I, I let some negative tweets go. Uh, just saying how, you know, they need to do more than this. This can't just be, uh, you know, the only move that they make. Um, and then, you know, I dug into his Japan numbers. I dug into, uh, you know, the profiles. I got some footage uh, on my lap and I, I got really excited. And Chase Anderson, I didn't even need to do that. I knew that last year, you know, wasn't his year. But prior to then, you're looking at a solid high threes, low four ERA guy. Um, you know, one of those guys that's going to go out and eat you some innings. Uh, and now what I'm seeing from him is this really, really impressive. Uh, the, the fastball has natural cut on it. Uh, you know, he's, he's working with a really solid changeup, really solid curveball. Again, just a really solid major league pitcher. Uh, and I'm not sure if he's going to perform that way in the regular season, but I would take Chase Anderson over Jake Arrieta nine days of oh. the week. Um, so I, I seriously – seriously and and this is my thing about the rotation too I, I talk about this on my stream a lot is that even if Matt Moore and uh Chase Anderson implode if they explode and and you know they end up getting what released that's the worst thing that can happen uh first of all it's only seven million dollars down the drain the 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 Braves spent double that on Drew Smiley uh which is just terrifying to think about um but also you're then I think Cliff with- Lee's worth it Oh, good one. Uh, but then you're left with, you know, Vince Velasquez and Spencer Howard, who were the four and five of a top 10 rotation last year. So it's a lot of, um, you know, a lot has to break right for them, right? For, for, for these guys to pan out. But I'll be darned if I would, you know, rather spend $7 million on Matt Moore and Chase Anderson than I would $25 million on Jake Arrieta. Uh, and the Phillies rotation was just fine uh, with, with all of that going on last year so uh i'm very excited to watch both of them pitch uh and i'm super surprised by how sold i am uh on on both of them going into the season so we'll see what happens i guess so do you think um those guys are the four and five and spencer howard is kind of the odd man out in the rotation to start the season yeah i think spencer howard is i mean remember spencer howard skipped triple a he skipped perhaps the most important building block of a player's career, uh, which is AAA, because they needed him to. They needed him last year. Right. They needed him to come up. They needed him to pitch, and he did. Um, but, you know, that's not just something you uh, you overlook. It's not something that you, you, you continue to do with your players, right? Only very special players get to skip AAA uh, or stop for coffee in AAA and then, you know, come all the way up. I'm looking at Juan Soto you know, who went from high A to double A to triple A and then up to the majors all in one year, um, which is so incredibly rare for a hitter, uh, let alone a pitcher. Um, 
So, you know, with Spencer, I think he'll start in AAA, and I think that's really important for him to do, and I think he'll he'll log his innings. It's the same thing for Mickey, too. Mickey's going to start in AAA. He's going to work his way through. Hopefully he puts up some really good numbers, and maybe he gets a midseason call-up. Um, who really knows? But ultimately, uh, yes, I do think Spencer Howard starts in AAA. Uh, and then Vince Velasquez, if he makes it past whatever roster cuts they are doing, uh, because they're going to have to make some, uh, then he will probably be the long man in the bullpen. And so we discussed a, a few of the newer guys. Is there anyone you would say was your favorite addition? We've, we've kind of given uh, our favorite in the past. It's Jose Alvarado mm. from the second the trade was made. We were all over it. Was there any that stood out to you as being the, the best new addition? Honestly, my my favorite is Brad Miller, just because I love Brad. I am so thankful to have him back. But my the one that I think will have the largest impact, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Jose Alvarado, thank God, looks healthy. Mm. Thank God still has the same wicked stuff that he had, you know, in, in 2018. And my Lord. To be able to trade a 26-year-old left-handed pitcher with command issues uh, and, you know, good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Loved Garrett Clevenger. Was a big, big fan of, uh, you know, of, of his stuff. And I hope he does well with the Dodgers. But to be able to trade a, an, a prospect who is older than an established major league pitcher that you are acquiring, I've never seen that before. I've never seen the prospect traded be older than the major league player received who has just more experience, more stuff, more velocity, more everything, more, more just legitimately everything. I've never <laughs> seen all it cost them was a million dollars in salary arbitration, which I could care less about. I mean, I just, I, I don't even know how to put into words how thrilled I was with that trade and seeing how Jose Alvarado looks now, how ecstatic I am for him to be a Philly for three more years. I am so thankful that the Rays are who they are and love not spending money and will cut as much as, as they can off of their roster. Um, it is just, it is an absolute steal, no matter how he performs in the regular season. Um, Honestly, I, I, I did not peg Garrett Clevenger uh, as, you know, a very important. He certainly was not in my top 30 prospects. Um, and I don't know about other publications, but, you know, uh, I am just very, very happy uh, to have Jose Alvarado uh, on my team and nobody else's. <laughs> yeah, I just remember being completely shocked. I was like, we actually got Alvarado because for the last couple of years, Whenever like I would like introduce someone to the like pitching ninja account, I would always try and find one specific pitcher. I would go for the Alvarado videos. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, just just look at this stuff. Like this is just unfair. This is anyone that thinks that they given however many number of tries to hit a major league pitcher, look at this. You would not. No. And that that's the thing. I mean, the guy is out here playing with wiffle balls, right? I mean, he <laughs> to have to have a 
left-handed pitcher, first of all, that throws 100 miles an hour is incredibly rare. That is incredibly rare. That's why when Aroldis Chapman first came up, not only did he break, you know, the, the major league velocity record, but it was from the left side. I mean, this is something that, that you rarely, rarely see. Um, and then to have, I mean, I love Aroldis Chapman, don't get me wrong, but he has nowhere near the movement on his fastball that Jose Alvarado has. Um, yeah. And he's got some great secondaries, but I mean, Jose Alvarado, to have your go-to pitch be as fast and as filthy as his two seam is just, it's not fair. And against, it works in two dimensions, right? Because if you're facing a right-handed hitter, that two-seamer is moving away from the righty. So as long as you're locating it towards the outside of the plate, a righty's not going to touch that baseball. And it looks like it's in the zone for the majority, the very slight majority, uh, because that thing's moving so fast. It looks like it's in the zone for until the very end of the pitch. And then when you're facing a lefty, it's just impossible to hit. I mean, that thing is moving inside. There is no way you're going to touch that. And if you do, there's no way it doesn't either A, break your bat, or B, roll into the infield and just get gobbled up. So, I mean, it is so, so rare to find a pitcher like Jose Alvarado. And seeing that he is healthy and producing uh, is just, oh, man, I cannot thank the Rays organization enough. Uh, and the Dodgers organization for the part they had in it. I mean, it is just oh, so great. I'm thrilled. All right, Alex, we have one final question for you, and it's a doozy, so prepare yourself. If you were in the major leagues, opening day, leadoff hitter, what would your walk-up song be? Oh, God. That's a great question. Um, Wow. I'm on the spot here. Uh, wow, what would my song be? Oh, wow. Um, I want it to be something, I don't know. I'm not somebody who really uh, needs like a pump up song. I feel like, um, so like any hard rock, I would probably oh, that's outlaw. Good. Oh, man. Oh, geez. Let me go to Just... my Spotify really quick. Let me figure it out. Um, um, Just so um, you know, oh, any you know answer is safe. I've given the answer before that I would go a little one direction. So don't oh, don't yeah. feel ashamed no matter where oh, you go. Good for uh, you. Will Will said his walk-up song would be the Barbie Girl theme song. So excellent choice as well. Um, honestly, I was introduced to this song by the player who walks up to it. Um, Andrew Knapp used to walk up to Blue Blue World by Mac Miller. Uh, yes. I would walk up to that song. That's a good uh, one. Because that song rocks. I, when I first heard him walk up to that song, I was like, what is that song? And when he had his first availability for media, I was like, Andrew, what's that song that you, I couldn't Shazam it. What's that song you walk up to? He was like, uh, it's called Blue World by Mac Miller. I was like, thank you. And I added it to my Spotify playlist immediately. So that would be the song that I would pick. That's a good one. It's a good one indeed. I'm the classic. I need the pump up. So my go-to has always been God's going to cut you down by Johnny cash. Oh yeah. Just the beginning of that. Oh is... yeah. Nice. But Alex, uh, we can't thank you enough for uh, joining the podcast today. It's been uh, wonderful getting to talk to you about spring training and the po- prospects and all that. Um, we look forward to catching your live streams uh, throughout the season, watching the games. Uh, 
hopefully we'll have you back pretty soon. Uh, and hopefully we're talking about playoff baseball and not spring training. Oh, man. Thank goodness. I really hope so. Thank you guys for having me. Truly. I really, really appreciate uh, any and all opportunities to, to get on a podcast and chat some baseball. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, and your, your Twitter's Alex Carr MLB, right? And it is. And you can find me on Twitch. Twitch take a balk. Yes, it is. Twitch.tv slash take a balk. I, uh, I hope to see some new faces there once the season begins. It's going to be really, really fun. I mean, as soon as we start doing, you know, watch alongs with real Major League Baseball games, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be nope. sweet. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Alex. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So we definitely want to thank Alex for coming on. That was a really fun interview. I had a lot of fun. Really enjoyed seeing it. His dog's name, if you guys didn't know, is Nola. So that's probably the closest we'll ever get to getting Aaron Nola on the podcast. <laughs> never say never. But yeah, that's the dog version is definitely the closest we'll get. But it was so interesting listening to Alex. Um, he was so prepared to talk about prospects and everything. And then we hit him with the what's your walk up song. And he he's just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I mean, he was so prepared for everything. And then we hit him with a Matt Moore curveball and he wasn't, he wasn't ready for it. No one's going to be ready this year for the Matt Moore curveballs. No, they're not. It's so the redemption that, season. Yeah. I mean, and unless you guys have anything else you wanted to get into, I think that is another episode of the shoot and the shift podcast. Jeff will. Thanks for hanging out uh, one more time. Thank you to Alex Carr. Like we said at the end of the interview, you can find him at Alex Carr MLB on Twitter or take a balk on Twitch. He does Phillies watch alongs. He's great. Guys, thanks for hanging out. And we will see you next week where we complete our MLB stadiums bracket and we inch ever closer to April 1st and opening day. Tuttles. <laughs>